You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. Hello, Boston Celtic fans and King of the Fourth quarter pod listeners. The Boston Celtics are going back to the Eastern Conference Finals because of one man, Jason Tatum, and his ability to just stomp on the 76ers last night in a 51-point epic performance, uh, record-breaking performance as he holds the all-time scoring record in any game seven. And that's not to say that Al Horford didn't do a tremendous job defensively all series, but this part is really about Jason Tatum. The first three quarters of game six, I thought the series was over and we were going to be talking about Tatum not showing up in the biggest game. And here we are, Jason Tatum, game seven, 51 points, Jim. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, he, um, in his post-game comments last night, talked about how the Sixers had them on the ropes in game six. And he was right, right? It was it was close. All the momentum was with the Sixers to close the third. Um, you know, even the start of that fourth, it, you know, you had some really weird moments from Tatum. And he had three points for three quarters. And then over the last five, <clears throat> over the last five quarters, 67 points. And in a lot of them, just spectacular fashion. Um, he really, you know, he closed the second quarter with a couple of big shots. And then in the third quarter, he just, I, I think he dropped 17 more and, and just was completely unstoppable. What was just so interesting to me, Mike, and this is, you got to give Missoula and his cre- uh, staff, you know, credit here. You definitely do is they went to the screen and roll with Tatum and they just targeted Joel Embiid over and over and over again. Um, it, you know, what a strategy to seek out the best player knowing he can't to get him away from the rim and yep. knowing he cannot stay with Tatum. He, if he, you know, closed his airspace, Tatum drove. If uh, he gave him a little room, Tatum danced for a second and then, you know, shot a three. And how many threes he had in Embiid's eyes, how many, you know, moves to the basket that he just left Embiid in the dust. And this was obviously a strategy and something they thought they could exploit and didn't, you know, probably didn't feel Embiid had the uh, stamina to kind of withstand that for four quarters. And they were right. Um, Tatum, you know, Tatum was great no matter who was guarding him. But I, I think the lasting image this game and the end of game six, frankly, is going to be, you know, the shots that Tatum made over Embiid over and over and over again. Yeah, and his ability to get to the line. I mean, the Celtics as a team, I think only shot 19 throws. And Tatum had 13 of them. I mean, the, the entire, I mean, everything he did. I mean, he was active on the defensive end. He had a huge block shot that they took away from him. Um, he, he led the team in rebounding. I believe I might be wrong. He definitely led the team in rebounding the last two games. Yeah, he's been one of the best rebounders in the entire playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So I was just going to say that, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. And um, I I, I just – it was awesome to watch. That's my reaction. Like, that first half, he he kept him in it, him and Brown, because the bench had zero points. They were giving you nothing. Uh, Rob and Al really weren't scoring much. I think Al only had three points. 
So it was yeah, Tatum fair. and Brown. Yeah. And really, it was it was Tatum. He got hot and he just stayed hot the entire game. And apparently, somebody on the Celtic staff told the media to mark it down that he was dropping 50 prior to the game starting. So oh, they wow. saw something. Yeah, they saw something in him. And guess how it was many- different, right, Kim? It was just different. His reaction to the crowd, like it was just a really nice sports moment. Like I don't think we've seen this side of like we've seen him drop fifty, but what we saw last night was different. Fifty-one and zero turnovers. Wow. Yeah, like you know, that's the other number that pops off the screen: zero turnovers with the fifty-one points, five assists, and um, you know, what did he have? Thirteen rebounds. Yeah, just an extraordinary effort from him. And, you know, you almost forget, Mike, that the Sixers were up nine in the second quarter. And I thought, not I really believe this, I I thought the Sixers were the better team for the first 15, 16 minutes of this game. They were. Yeah, I I thought the defense was really locked in. Um, Obviously, on offense, they they got some key contributions early from P.J. Tucker. And not shockingly, that ended. but they they just really they were a lot they were a lot more connected on the defensive end. They weren't giving up any threes. Everything was toughly contested. They weren't giving up uh, really fast break opportunities. And when they did, they you know they recovered well and forced misses from the Celtics early in that game through the first fifteen minutes. Uh, you're watching this and you're thinking everything that Philadelphia needed to happen to stop this game. Role players, good defense, um, Celtics, you know, missing free throws and, you know, a lot of their role players not stepping up. You thought Philly, you know, w- was getting that. And then you had the um, flagrant foul on James Harden, which, you know, what a stinker he put up. And it started there. You know, everyone said it was an inverted, and it was, but it was typical Harden. I dropped the ball out of bounds. I'm going to flail my arms and body to make it look like I got fouled. Yep. He hit him doing that stupid thing that he always does. And, you know, the drama queen crap, he elbows Brown in the face. And, and that, you know, that huge mistake sparked the garden crowd. Um, the Celtics got the two free throws, the lob to Rob, the stale by Brown. And the next thing yep. you know, it's a, it's a, two-point game or whatever it was and it, and from that point on it, it was you know the the seemed like the Sixers were always swimming into the stream they they just the Celtics grabbed momentum you know you had that weird technical a little while after that but you know the Celtics like we said were down nine and and in the half up three and you texted at halftime you know just happy to be up three and you were right and a lot of it was caused by that single moment of Harden, you know, dropping the ball out of bounds and then flailing his arms because he screwed up, hoping he'd get two free throws out of it. Just a huge, huge swing in that game. Yeah, Harden was so bad. And, like, I mean, the way he – the way they normally call games for him in the regular season, he didn't get that for much of the series. And I think that really impacted his game. I think – he, he tries to depend way too much on the refs and has shown an inability to, to really score on his own when at, at certain moments. And, you know, he, he had some really great games in this series and some real yeah. duds. And, yeah. and, and 
him and Embiid were, I mean, him and Embiid were really ineffective last night. Embiid could not figure out Al Horford at all last night. We saw signs of it in game four when the Celtics came back and then lost it down the stretch, uh, where Al really just got in Embiid's head. Um, and we saw that for, for a quarter, and it was really awesome. Uh, we saw it for four quarters yesterday, where Al really just shut him down. And I think a big part of that was the double bigs. I think oh, Embiid, Embiid is always looking over his, you know, his, his shoulder to see where where Rob is, and that that really allowed Al to to block his shots and contest everything. And um, you know, Philadelphia was the third best offense in the NBA this year, and they scored less than ninety points three times in the series. Yeah, how about that, huh? And the Celtics yeah. didn't do that all season. Oh, oh okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, how about that, right? They, they didn't, so all, yeah. all regular season, we, we didn't hold a team under 90? No. That's hard to believe. Wow. Uh, I think, I think um, you know, it's an interesting inter- interesting decision for Missoula moving forward, but I hope he sticks with the double big lineup because I just feel like the evidence is there. As good as Derek White is when he's starting, he can drop 30 points and his impact still isn't as big as what Rob gives you. So, um yeah. Yeah, it was, I just, yeah, it was huge, Mike. We we went over extensively in the last pod, so we don't have to do it here. But they they pretty much with that move eliminated the thing that was killing them, which was that side pick and roll and Harden being able to control the spacing even in his bad games for the Philly offense. This Philadelphia team was a good team, but the two best players, you know, just came up really small in the most decisive yeah. moments. You know they. They were non-impactful players for the last five minutes in game six. And right. they you were non-impactful players for the entirety of game seven. And, and that's why I just think the defining moment of the series is Tatum hunting Embiid over and over again and scoring on him and Embiid not being able to um, respond the, down the other end. And you're right. He, he, he forced the action. When he got to the ball in the high post, especially when you know the Celtics weren't in double bigs, I felt like he became very deliberate, and I'm talking about Embiid. And at times, you know, was so slow. I don't think he was conscious of the double teams that were coming and the turnovers that resulted. Um, he he was, wasn't much of a playmaker. You know, he had more turnovers than assists in this series. I, if you're a Sixers fan, this this was your best shot, especially with Game 6. Um, Tatum was correct. We referenced it earlier in the pod that they had the Celtics on the ropes and they, and their best players just did not come through. And uh, once Sixers again, they fans, got home in the second round. Sixers fans are dumb. They're on Twitter saying trade and beat. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know what they're thinking there, but it's, it's, um, I want to, well, Celtics fans would have been doing the same thing if game six ended with Tatum. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been the same stuff, you know, and that's you know, that's why sports are so great, right? You go yeah. in and Tatum looks and the Celtics look toast and, you know, the you worry about this being a legacy defining game in game six and um, at least part of his young career and it would be the talk of the offseason and the vitriol would have been, you know, second to none if that's how it ended. And then you you flip the switch, and seventy two hours later, 
you know, he did what he did at the end of the fourth quarter and 51 points on zero turnovers. And we're talking about this as maybe one of the greatest performances of all time in the playoffs. Just, just remarkable stuff. Really, like, yeah. truly remarkable stuff. And, and something I think, too, we've talked about it during the regular season, but not much in this playoffs, but oh, the trades for Derek White and the trades for Malcolm Brogdon and the contract extension to Rob and Smart, uh, Steven deserves a lot of credit for in <coughs> bringing Al Horford back for, for building a really deep roster around these two superstars. I mean, Derek White is second team all NBA defense, and he's coming off your bench Yeah, in game six and game seven. That's how deep you are. And I know we got on Malcolm Brogdon for his defense, but I really don't think we gave him enough credit in this series for the offense. No, that's a good he, point. He was consistent night after night with his scoring. Night after night. Even yesterday, he ended up with 12. He did. Um, and as we look, it, we'll talk about it, but when we look forward to Miami, I, I think that Brogdon's going to play a huge role in that series because those guys aren't going to be able to match up with him. Um, so it's really, um, Brad's done a really good job building this roster, and oh, Celtics are in a really good place right now. Yeah, and I think that why that's why this season is so huge to try to win it because I think the new CBA is probably going to necessitate some you know tough decisions for Brad this off season. I don't see this full core coming back. I think obviously Brown and Tatum are definites. I think everyone else is probably not a definite, and. You know, with the group you have here now and the depth and, you know, the talent top heavy on this roster, you, you almost, this is the year. You know, you would, you're going to hate looking back at this if you're not able to pull this off. And so it's all right in front of them. And I know today and yesterday after the game and, you know, maybe the coming days here, there's going to be a lot of piling on on the Sixers. I will say this. Um, I thought for the most part, you know, that was a, a worthy opponent. Yeah. Um, they they won one game, really, you could say, um, on their own in, in game four. I know the Celtics blew it down the stretch, but they controlled the game, game four, for the majority of it. Um, I thought the Celtics handed them one in five with their lackluster effort, although they were great in game five. And I think, this is probably the best opponent left. You know, maybe Denver might be a little better than Philly, so that's close. But this, in terms of what was left, and if the Philadelphia had gotten by you, they would be the um, Vegas favorites to win it right now. So it just goes to the bigger point that this is all in front of the Celtics. It really is. And, you know, hopefully and I'm not convinced of this, but hopefully they got it out of their system of playing with their food with these teams and and just really zoned in and focused in on what's in front of them because these opportunities do not come around often and there's no guarantee it will ever come around again. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point, Jim. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with the Vegas odds that Philadelphia would have been the favorite, I don't know if I would have picked Philly against LA or Denver. 
Uh, I certainly would have picked them first Miami, but I think I would have went to the experience of LeBron and what he's shown us over Philly. And I, I would have, um, I just think Denver ha- overall has a better roster, but um, yeah, I agree. It's right in front of the Celtics. So why don't we get your initial thoughts on the series coming up? Yeah, no, this is this is the the zombie team, right? Mike, put it put yourself on mute. <laughs> you call them like this oh is this is the zombie team, the team that just won't die. And you know they lose Tyler Hero. Um, they have you know undrafted guys within their rotation of you know Vincent and Strauss, and they play a, a Kevin Love that is well past his prime, significant minutes. And then you, you have two really good players, one great player in, in Butler and, and one really good player in Bam Adebayo. They, they are basing their offense, you know, of really driving to the hoop, you know, jump stopping and either trying to, you know, get fouled or find the open man by you reacting to the jump stop with overhelping. Um, and I think it's just really important on the defensive end it's just to stay solid. You don't have to overreact to their drives. You have the bodies to match up with Butler. Butler will still get his, but you have the bodies to match up with him. You have the bodies to match up with all their other guards. Do not overhelp and leave shooters. Um, do not overhelp and leave out of Bayou for a dunk. When they come to the jumps up, be solid. Don't go for the pump fakes and, and just make them score over you. Um, I think when we start, you, you see teams like the Knicks and the Bucks that were overhelping, it was just leading to open look after open look on the offensive end for Miami. And you don't have to do that. And then defensive, offensively, to me, it's again, they're going to throw the junk defenses at you, they're going to throw the zones. Um, you saw a lot of that against Philadelphia early in the series. You had a little bit of difficulty, but I thought the Celtics got a lot better later in the series in the zone and forced Doc to get out of them pretty quick. Um, and, you know, Miami plays by this philosophy of it's like the Seattle Seahawks when they were, you know, had that great defensive backfield or in great D-line. Let's see what we can get away with. If we follow you four times, they can only call us once. If we clutch and grab you, they so you have to be strong with the ball. I'm sure Jalen Brown's name is going to be on a whiteboard circled you know, to do whatever you can to, you know, cause the turnover and, and they're going to watch it on film and his tendencies that they took advantage of last year. Be strong with the ball. Um, don't follow on the other end and just be solid. And I think at the end of the day, the Celtics talent gap is just so big that there should be no way they lose the series. In reality, this probably shouldn't go more than five. But I, I just don't have the confidence, the confidence that the Celtics won't play with their food. So let's say Miami win, earns one victory. The Celtics, you know, I would think is going to hand them at least one more. And so the question is, do the Celtics hand them two? I'll say Celtics in six, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is five. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes seven based on just the tendency of the Celtics. And as much as this will be talked about as being about the heat, to me, you know, as far as the series goes, is about the Celtics. It's about what they decide to do. Um, Spolster can only do so much. Jimmy Butler can do a shitload, but it shouldn't be enough. 
And so do the Celtics just go out and play and take care of business? Or do they do what they did in game five in Boston or game one against the Sixers in Boston or game five against Atlanta? Um, so that's that's kind of what remains to be seen, right? Yeah, I think you said it best. You can't leave the shooters against Miami because that's what's been driving their offense. Um, ever since Victor Oladipo got hurt after Tyler Hero got hurt, they were forced to play Duncan Robinson, and actually he's played a really big role in their offense. He's had several games where he's hit four to five threes, mm-hmm. and a, a big part of that was a lot of those threes were uncontested, especially against the Knicks. So I think it's really important as what you're saying is not overreact, but the Celtics have a tendency to do that, to have mental lapses. So because of that, I think this is a deep series. It's going to go about six or seven games. This, this, this Heat franchise, it, it doesn't matter what the talent level is year after year. I feel like I always go into it saying they don't match up with the Celtics, but they just stay alive. And credit to them. I think it'll be a deep series and a frustrating series with the amount that Miami will get away with on the defensive end that the Celtics won't. I don't think it'll be a fair whistle. I don't think it is when you play Miami. It's just, for some reason, it's the way the refs call games for the Heat. It's um, the way they play, too. It's just Yeah, like, it's the way they play. They're so like rugged and rough that it really puts the refs in a tough spot. Like, are you calling everything or, you know, it's, it's, it's hot. It's, it makes it really hot on an official. I know that sounds weird, but it's like, do you play this on and, or do you call it? Or if I call everything, we'll be, you know, it's just, it's, it's a weird. And it's why, it's why Miami's always matched up so well against Milwaukee and Philadelphia is because those teams depend on those calls. And I think yeah. the difference, I think the difference with the Celtics is that they don't. The Celtics can shoot the balls at such a high level that they can get out shot at the free throw line by 10 to 12 attempts and still be up 15. Um, and I think ultimately that's going to be the difference is you can do all that stuff, but the Celtics are just so deep. And I don't think Rob was exactly healthy last year No, no when, we, when we played Miami and, um, that double big lineup against this Miami team actually makes sense because Miami's kind of built the same way where Rob can just react to love in the corner and then over help on Bam and, and Jimmy Butler. Um, a couple guys to keep an eye on with the heat that I think can make an impact in the series and really have made an unexpected big impact in the playoffs. In my opinion, um, I think Kyle Lowry's played really well offensively this playoffs and gave Vincent as well. Uh, especially shooting the ball from three and creating for others. Yep. So it's, it's another challenge. I mean, they're definitely not at the level of Maxi and Trey Young, but I do think they present challenges to Boston when they, I mean, they've been playing at a high level. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they play in this series because they've been a big reason why Miami's in this spot. Yeah. The Celtics just have a ton of bodies to, that are bigger than them that they can throw at them, but they've both been good. Caleb Martin's been good. You know, Strews has been good. Um, and you, you brought up a really good point. Miami really hasn't faced a healthy Rob for over a calendar year. Um, you know, even earlier in the year, they haven't played the heat, in the, you know, since the first half of the season, they didn't play him at all in the second half, um, of this season. And, but when Rob was healthy last season, you know, Bam Adebayo really struggled in, 
you look at the games where Miami had success against the Celtics in the playoffs last year, Bam was a huge factor. You look at that first series, the, the series in the bubble, Bam was really almost the best player in that entire series. And obviously there was no Rob. Um, Williams, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see his role here. Uh, Miami's built a little bit different than Philly, where, you know, you have to be a little bit more concerned about Love's shooting than you do P.J. Tucker, Tucker, and you don't have to worry about Love being a reluctant shooter like P.J. Tucker, Tucker was. Um, but I, I, I do think uh, the Rob factor, and if he's utilized correctly, should really affect Bam. Um, because it's not a super duper matchup for Al, like uh, you 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 had versus B. That's not, Bam's not a great matchup for him. Um, but I, I I do think Bam um, struggles really struggles against a healthy Rob, and so that should be interesting too. It, it the Heat, you know, you don't you never bet against the Heat, and what they've done here has been so impressive. But if you really look at it too, they they won a series where in Milwaukee where Giannis basically didn't play in three games. And then in the two that he did, they were up late in the fourth and completely choked it away as a team. And it's credit to the Heat, they caused some of it, but there was also just a meltdown from the Bucs and the coaches. Um, against the Knicks, they earned it. Um, Emmanuel quickly was out. A lot, but they were also missing Hero and uh, Victor Oladipo, like you said, and they earned it. Um, but the Knicks were based off a, a playoff team that's based off the point guard scoring or Randall creating his own shots. The Celtics are just a completely different animal for the Heat, and I just think it's more about the Celtics, Mike. The more I think about this series, the more I talk about the series, are the Celtics gonna? fuck around for lack of a better term are they they gonna you know do what they should do which is blow doors and win this in series in five um i just don't know they they have that mindset and will do that i just don't know that that team um unlike with any playoff series if you screw around enough you know you leave yourself open for an upset and, and certainly bucks found that out Yep. Yep. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Miami, I think, won two games in Boston last year. Um, so let's see what kind of team comes out for game one on Wednesday. Um, I have a feeling if there's going to be a game that the Celtics give away, it'll definitely be game one. Yeah, you would think. It happens a lot, you know, in the yeah. NBA where the road team comes in and take game one. Um it, it, it's it we go to the mo of this team where the, you know they come off a huge game seven win and they're feeling too good about themselves and they come up short in game one. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. I hope they learn from it. I, I want to start talking about this team having the pedigree that the talent suggests that it should have, and you know it should now, right? You you win games like you did in six and seven, it should carry over. Um, it'd be nice that it, if it actually does, you know, it would really be nice if it actually does. All right, Ken. All right. Well, we'll talk to everyone after game one. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. <laughs>